Welcome to this week's episode of the Tyson Pre-Show. I'm so glad you decided to join me this week. This week and next week, I'm doing a two-part interview with uh, my friend Brent Henderson. Brent is a notable author of two books, and we'll talk about those in the interview. He's also a national speaker. And so we're going to talk about our identity in a transition and how our identity shapes that transition and what that looks like. We're going to talk about that over the next two weeks, like I said before. If you are interested in getting a coach to help you move from point A to point B, you need somebody to help spot your blind side and ask you questions that are going to cause you to have to think beyond what you're used to thinking. I would love to powerfully serve you as your coach. You can reach out to me, Tyson at tysonpriest.com. I also have a group that meets weekly. It is a weekly mastermind where we come together and we encourage one another. We help each other out with our networks, with our experiences, and so on. Uh, This group is primarily for entrepreneurs, but I do have some people in there that are just looking to either get in shape or grow their side hustle. So I would encourage you Reach out to me again, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. Would love to talk to you about that. Well, listen, without any further ado, let's get into part one of a two-week series, an interview with Brent Henderson. All right. Well, with me today on the show is Brent Henderson. Brent Henderson is the author of two books, Into the Wilds and The Roar Within. He's also a national speaker. Uh, former recording artist and has done all sorts of <laughs> what I would call fun things, adventurous type things that have led to what he does now. But I'm not going to get into that because Brent will discuss that. But Brent, welcome to the show, man. Hey, it's good to be with you. Hey, uh, before we get started, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and what I just described? Oh, I'm kind of short, kind of tall, fat, kind of skinny, long hair, no beard. Um, that kind of sums it up. <laughs> Yeah, um, good description. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do I describe myself? Um, I'm 61 years old, and I can't believe I actually made it this far in my life. Okay. That is really amazing. Um, grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, moved to Indiana to go to college after working in the steel mill for three years and decided, you know what, I want to do something a little bit different than that. And God just kind of moved my path into music. I was in music for probably 30 years, and now I love to write and speak. And so that kind of in a nutshell is kind of it. Okay, awesome. Well, I want to talk about really about transition, right? So you, you, and I've known you for a little while, and you've gone through quite a few transitions in your life. Um, I want to kind of dive into whichever transition you want to talk about, and then we'll just kind of let that go from go from there um and and dive dive into those because out of that transition i think what we're going to get into is we're going to start finding identity but i want to dive into identity i know that's your thing transitions uh pick one and we'll just start from there man i mean life is a constant transition i just said to you when we first logged on here before we started recording that you know god has really been allowing, uh, how do I say it, my spiritual backside to be kicked all over the place because I'm reading a book right now (laughs) called Counterfeit Gods. 
And it's funny that you mentioned about doing this whole thing on transitions because I'm in this, like I said, my age, I'm 61 years old. And you start looking at life and you're going, okay, here's where I am. Here's where I've been. Here's what I, I, I believe God's still calling me to do that I still have the passion mm -hmm. to do. But the transitions that begin to happen at, at certain ages, it's like these milestones. It's like you can't move from one to the other one until you really do know that this isn't about necessarily just what I want. It's really driven by what God wants. Mm. Because if I if I try to do something out of my own ego, let's say it, for instance, mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, it's going to try to it's going to drive me to do something. It's going to get me reward, maybe mm -hmm. get your good opinion of me or to me to feel good about myself through what I do or what I say or. Um, and when I start going down that path, man, it's just like like looking at a post you made. How many likes did I get? You know, was it a good post? You're right. Or how many yeah. love, or, you know, or how many how yeah. many shared that post? And if I allow that to drive my transitions, I'm going to keep following the path of of performance, of not, maybe not doing the thing that's going to add value to someone else's life or what God's called me to, but what's yeah. going to try to make me feel better about me. Mm. And whenever I do that, it's a false God. It's, a, it's, a, it's an idol that I'm creating, and I will never find peace and satisfaction in that transition because I'm always going to need more and more and more and more to make me feel better, you know, more money, more title, whatever. Yeah. Um, so the transitions, going back, you know, you ask, looking at a transition, um, let me just kind of go back, you know, transitioning after uh, high school, I went to work in a shoe store where I was uh, the manager for almost a year. Mm -hmm. And I transitioned from that to go back to work in the steel mill. Um, mm -hmm. And that was that was actually driven by I was living two and a half hours away from home, didn't have any friends, loneliness kind of drove me to something. Um, yeah. And so when I went back and worked in the steel mill, I was sitting up one night in the overhead box crane and I was where you pour the steel. Mm -hmm. And when the steel got poured into this big vat, there had been some water moisture in there and it blew up like a volcano. Oh, sure. Yeah. And in that moment, I looked at it and it was like God was saying to me, Brent, there's a heaven and there's a hell. Mm. And uh, you really do get to choose here. What are you what are you yeah. going to you going to choose? Because at the time, the life I was starting to go down, the path I was choosing with a lot of the guys there, you know, partying and, and just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. And he said, but I, I've got a plan for you. Are you willing to follow my plan? Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning when I, when I did all of a sudden doors began to open up because I was doing what I knew he was saying to me rather than me going after something. Gotcha. Um, and so let me just fast forward, you know, that transition, I went uh, three years out of high school and working in the mill. I went to Anderson university here, but it was Anderson mm -hmm. college and transitioned into music. And I was touring with uh, a, a group of, of my college buddies. There was three of us and yeah. got trans. He, he began to, um, transition one of those guys to become a solo recording recording artist in Nashville and yeah. here I was all of a sudden now on my own it's another transition yeah and it, when those things happen sorry that's my dog now she's going to transition like right out the door here in a second um you know it's it's am I just going to the next thing because it's what somebody else was really good at you know, that was the case with this, you know, the person that, and you and I know, um, I, yeah. I'm not saying it's the name, but it's just my story. It was Stephen Curtis Chapman. And he yeah. and I had a band called the Chapman Henderson Band. Well, when he moved to Nashville, in my mind, the transition will be, well, hey, I just came off that. Mm -hmm. um, I need to get another group together. Because mm -hmm. 
there was reward from that. It made me feel good. People said we right. were good. Maybe I should be doing this. So I, yeah, I was trying to follow what God was doing, but I think at being a young age, I'm trying to follow what, you know, like we, we look at NBA stars and we want to play like LeBron or somebody else, you know, right. so we, right. we try to emulate that. And went with a group, formed a group called one. Like two weeks after I formed it, Sandy Patty said, would you come and tour with, with me? And we're like, well, let's pray about it. Okay. I mean, it was, <laughs> but sure. But that transition wasn't really led by, did I give it a lot of prayer and did I have yeah. peace about it? It was, well, it has to be the right thing because that was the biggest, you know, recording artist in the Christian music name at the time. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes in these transitions, we look at the reward or the benefit or the title rather than, is this going to bring me contentment and happiness? Mm, mm, that's good. And I, and I say this to my kids all the time, you know, my, my daughter's 23, my son's 26, both very smart, both, you know, went through college and they're now in the work field and they're, you know, spreading their wings in different jobs and things. And I say, you know, follow your passions. Yes. Because if you're, if you're doing what you really love, mm -hmm. it's not going to feel like work. You're, you're going to be energized yeah. to want to do it. Right. And so I think that was, it, it took me a long time in some of my transitions because honestly, uh, Tyson, this is going to sound really strange. And you know me from, from leading worship too. Right. Yeah. Music was never really my passion. I love, I mean, I could do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't the thing that I woke up every day going, man, I want to go jump on the guitar or the keyboard. Or I want to sing. It was something that I could yeah. do and that I was fairly good mm. at. But it never drove me. And I think that's part of the reason why I didn't go any farther in, in the music industry than I did. Is sure. um, it, it just, yeah. I wasn't. Would you, yeah, I think, I, I think what I'm hearing you say, and I, and I know we've had sidebar conversations about this, and that is really passion versus hobby, right? I mean, you can have a hobby and be good at something, but there's no passion for it. And the hobby can kind of bring you money. But if there's not passion, then the hobby is going to, to die out. The reward's not going to be good enough to keep you around, I guess, so to speak, um, if that makes and, sense. Well, yeah, it's like when, I, when I'm speaking to guys, and you know I do that a lot, one of the things yeah. that I always say to these guys is, what is that one thing that you can't not do? That if you mm. weren't doing it, you'd be like curled up under an, an overpass somewhere, right? Because it's that <laughs> sure. thing inside of you that you, you have to do. It burns within you. Yeah, those passions are the things that I want to follow, not right. the thing that's like, yeah, it'll pay me more money or, yeah, I'll have this title and it'll get me more yeah. respect. You know, I, yeah, no, I, I love what you just said, too, about, well, it's going to pay me more money. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people that will say, but it's an extra five dollars an hour. How can I say no? Or, you know, right. it's an extra 20 grand a year. How can I say no? Well, you you say no. I mean. Depending on what the, the trade off is, um, yeah, you got you got one life. Yeah, I right. mean, do you want to feel alive, or yeah. do you want to feel like you're a slave to your your position? Mm. Yeah, that's that's the question. Yes, that we, yeah, we all have to ask. The other thing that I talk about too with people, and I'd love to get your take on this. You know, passion really sits at at the center of one your talent to your knowledge and three your ability to serve with your talent and knowledge right so you take you take those three things you take your knowledge that you're gaining the talent you've discovered your ability to serve with that and that begins to produce an income and you've likely 
you very likely found your passion. Um, and I know I'm not, I'm not trying to transition into what you do now, but I think there's some truth to that. Can you speak into that a little bit, you know, about that passion point being the really the, really the combination of those four things? Yeah. Off the top of my head, it immediately made me think of a book I read years ago. It was called Good to Great. Okay. And in that, you know, he talks about, you know, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing here? Mm. You know, he mentions maybe going to someone and ask them, you know, what are you really good at better than what most people would be? Um, you know, what are, and, and, you know, does it, does it, does it bring you in a good income? You know, that kind of a thing. And so those are yeah. some of the questions they ask. And I think, I think there was some truth in what he was saying, but I think that it, it does miss the mark a little bit with that. Yeah. Um, John Maxwell, I heard him say one time, um, you know, he said, whenever you're getting ready to get up and speak, if you get nervous, it's because you're thinking about yourself. He nervous. And so when I think about my, my passion, mm -hmm. the passions might be something that I really love to do. And the reward might not be monetary. The reward might be joy. You can't yeah. buy joy. You can't buy happiness. Right. Um, you can't buy that feeling of knowing that you just help someone. There's mm -hmm. a, it's a deep seated thing that when we love on someone and we help them, that it does something within us. There's honor, there's dignity. There's, there's all mm -hmm. kinds of things that come up because we know we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think when we're looking at these transitions, like when you mentioned about, you know, passion or, or money or different things, I think if we can kind of look at the emotion, I always say this, whenever I'm, I'm getting ready to make a decision, whether it be in how I might talk about to my wife about a difficult situation or whether I'm looking at a job, I have to look at the emotion. Is the emotion that I'm having, is it lining up with the fruit of the spirit? You know, is you know, love, peace, patience, joy, gentleness, kindness, faith, and the self-control, all those. Or is the emotion lining up with the deeds of the flesh? It's causing me anger, lust, jealousy, rage, right? Right. And so when I'm making decisions, I'm really many times in these transitions looking at, okay, when I look at the transition and what everything I'm looking at, what emotion is it leaving me with? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not having a peace or I'm feeling really anxious about it, I got to hit that pause button because it's it's what we're thinking that that causes the emotions that we're having. So look at the thought. What am I thinking about here? Am I thinking, hey, this is something I could do long-term to give me security? Well, right. if that's your God, see, it's real easy to take these things and go, wow, security. That's mm -hmm. a really good thing. Well, I can make that my idol. And right. I cannot be happy in what I'm doing because I'm, I'm, I'm literally laying that position at the feet of an idol that says my security God, rather yeah. than God going, no, I'm, I'm, I'm your security here. Sure. It's not about the money, but I did give you that passion because mm -hmm. that's what's so contagious. Yeah. And people go, whatever that is, it's drawing me to you or whatever that thing is. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I love what you just said there that, you know, God has given us these passions. God has given us certain talents, right? Um, talent. You have talents. I don't have vice versa. And then that talent, because we have that talent. We explore it and we gain knowledge out of that. And God knows that, right? So when he puts that passion in us, he says, okay, well, here's, here's a way that they can serve me in their own unique way. 
Um, and I think some of us, sometimes we forget our uniqueness. We forget that we're uniquely wired, uniquely designed with passion. And while, while you might have the same passion as somebody else, you're not going to step into that endeavor um, the same way somebody else would, even though you have the same passion, because we're all uniquely wired. And I think, well, I love what yeah. you said, uniquely. You, we are unique, and yeah. we compare ourselves to anybody else around us, maybe that's been in that position that we're looking at or that sport or whatever it is, and we begin to compare ourselves. And I think if we begin to compare ourselves, I don't even know that we realize we do this, we begin to hit a lid. Sure. Well, this is where that person is talent-wise. You might have more talent than them, but yeah. you might never got, might go past that because you don't realize you're, in, you're uniquely individually created. You, right. You've got to become like them. And God's going, no, your ceiling is, is up here <laughs> and you're missing it because you're not realizing I made you unique. You're trying to, to mimic and copy someone or something else. Right. Yeah, I know that's that's really good. And I think sometimes in our transitions, when we're going from point A to point B, whatever it might be, we look at people that are in that industry or doing that hobby or whatever it is, we look at them. And we kind of idolize them and say, well, if I could do it like them, like you mentioned, you know, like if I could play ball like LeBron, um, if I could cook like, you know, Emerald or whatever, right, you know, if, right. if I could do it like them. And I think sometimes in our research to say, hey, I'd like to kind of go this direction, we start doing our research and that research leads to idolization. Um, and I've done it. I mean, I've been there. Yeah. I've had people in my life that I tried to be like. And I finally one day had actually had someone come up to me and they said, you've got to quit being trying to be like such and such. Mm. You might not realize you're doing it, but I see it because I know how close you are with this other person and you've always admired them. Right. You don't have to be them. Wow. And it was it was hard to swallow. You know, it was the other day I was <laughs> I was talking with a friend and I was telling him about this book that I told you I was reading. And I said, man, I'm going to need a lot of Band-Aids after this book. And he said, no, <laughs> he said, don't put Band-Aids on. Let it bleed out. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that makes so much sense because until I can get that out of my system, mm. that I am uniquely, I don't need to try to be like someone else, like this person that can right. me. I let that need to be like them, to try to get someone to like you bleed out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. Not, that's not, it's not healthy. Yeah. That's good. So then let me get your take on this. This is totally impromptu. I'd heard somebody say one time that God does not love us equally. He loves us uniquely. Hmm. Um, and I haven't, I haven't really chewed on that a lot. Um, I, I think he, he views us all. He might value us all equally, but the way in which he loves us and expresses his love to us in a lot of ways is unique um, in the ways that speak to us. Um, yeah, I think when I think about the gift of, of salvation that Jesus went to the cross, he loved us all equally there because he went to die for us. Right. But individually, the way he loves us is, is different because if it was if he loved me equally like he loves this person over here, I would have the same gifts and talents or money or whatever you want to look at. Well, that's right. it's like like when you think about uh, when I was a kid, my sister was five years older and my mom would get out two glasses and she would pour milk. Mm -hmm. We had to make sure that, I mean, they were exactly equal or your mom might love you more than the other one. 
Yeah. You're not really thinking about, well, wait a second, my sister's five years older here than I was. She probably sure. needs a little more nutrition or a little more calories in her diet than right. I need. Yeah. And I think God knows where we are at a certain time. So he has to uniquely and individually look at where you are and going mm -hmm. right now, this is what's going to be best for you. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. That was off the top of my head too. So. <laughs> oh man. Well, let's, um, let's pull this train back on the right track where we want to go. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're absolutely in that analogy there. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. So going back to transitions, right. And we touched on a little bit about when we start doing research, I want to do it like so-and-so, or I want to be like so-and-so. And we start idolizing, we start comparing. And then we, we have to, at some point, you know, we probably reach our ceiling by doing that. What are some other things that you've noticed in yourself or in your relationship with God that as you begin to make these transitions, uh, maybe there are some warning signs you could give us, or maybe there are some to-dos and things that, you know, are positive in that regard. Oh, you know, COVID was, it yeah. caused a lot of us to go through transitions. Yes. You know, churches with their attendance, um, jobs for all of us, and many, maybe it changed all kinds of things. The What warning signs? I, I, I think I mean, immediately I'm asking the Holy Spirit here to, to guide my thoughts. When this all happened, I called up uh, a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Bill Thrall. He lives out in Phoenix, Arizona. He's been a, a spiritual Yoda to me for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I called him and I said, you know, COVID's now hit. And I think I was 59 when it hit. Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to do, Bill, with my life? You know, I've, I've got a new book that I've been working on that's supposed to be coming out, but they're, they're postponing it now because of COVID and all my speaking events canceled. What yeah. do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And this is really interesting. He said, Brent, is this what you've, what God has been training you for, you know, for a lot of your life? I said, yeah, it absolutely is. He said, then why would you start going and selling grapefruits? Ooh. Yeah. Figuratively speaking. Sure. And so I began to pray and I went to, uh, I don't know what it is. God, whenever I'm asking God to kind of speak to me, this is, this is maybe one of those individualistic ways we just talked about. When I'm asking him to communicate with me many times when he's telling, yes, he'll, he'll, he'll do something in threes. Mm. And I went to two guys, first of all, um, one of them, you know, was, was Keith, Pastor Keith. Right. And we were talking and I said, what am I supposed to yeah. do here? He says, well, you might be transitioning and doing something on the side over here. Yeah. But his word to me was stay the course. Yeah. I went to someone else and I said the same thing. And they said the exact same word, stay the course. Now, this is where it gets weird. Mm -hmm. My neighbors that live um, off to the right of us here, my wife and I were pulling in and I said to Stacy, you know, God has a way of doing things in threes. And, and I had just been telling her about this stay the course thing. Yeah. And as we pull in the driveway, my neighbors who are elderly, I never see them. And mm -hmm. I mean, I've had maybe one conversation with them. They get out and they wave to us. And the only words they said was stay the course. And my wife went, no <laughs> way. Okay. And I'm saying the same thing. I'm going, what was that? Wow. And I think sometimes it's, has God prepared you to do something along? He's, he's probably not going to just all of a sudden have you selling grapefruits. Right. Now he might have you, he might have you doing that for a time because yes, we all have to make sure we're meeting, making ends meet. Mm -hmm. and, and in the same way that you and I got really kind of connected up on a, on a deeper level was yeah. when COVID hit, 
you were looking for someone to lead music. And I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to find something here for a time. I didn't know how long that would be. Right. God put you in that place at exactly the right time to sure. meet your need, to meet my need. Yep. But God said, but this is for a time because this is what I prepared you to do. Mm. Now, I don't want to compare leading worship to selling grapefruits. All I was saying was <laughs> that's just a different thing. God had, mm. why would you change what I've made you to go and do? Because right. the world says, well, you know what? We're going to have a little pandemic for the next year. God yeah. doesn't care about that. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And right. he met our financial needs that year. And how he ever did it, it's only him. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think you had a you you've made a couple of good points here when we talk about getting through a transition, right? So one of the things that you did is you asked for advice from a mentor, right? You called a mentor, you know, you called him your spiritual Yoda. What are your thoughts? and so on he gave you that and then you got confirmation for you in threes you got confirmation that okay stay the course and then the then the other thing that i was hearing you say is that the transition wasn't a major step right like it wasn't it wasn't hey i'm a butcher and now i'm going to go be a ceo of a fortune 50 company right yes it was, it was your your transition into the writing and the speaking was really just kind of a one-off from what you had been doing. You know, yes. it's kind of like the next lane over. You'd already yes. been exposed um, to being on stage um, through contemporary Christian music and touring. Uh, you kind of had been all through all of this um, with ministry. And so now writing and speaking on stage was just kind of the next evolution or step. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. Yeah, I think that was that was really perceptive. Yep. It's it's not like I'm on Interstate 69 heading south and there's four lanes here and all of a sudden he's going to have me get off at this exit on some little two lane road that's under construction that's going to take me a thousand miles out of the way. Right. I think you're right. Sometimes it might just be getting off at this exit, but I'm still going alongside that highway until the time mm -hmm. comes when he says, OK, now get back on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. that's good. Yeah. And it seems like the people that I've talked to um on previous episodes and such it's the same thing in their life it's almost like it's just the next lane over it's never it might be two lanes over but it's never clear like you said off the road going through construction on a back county road that's going to take you an extra hour or so um and i think he's teaching us something on those little off ramps sometimes yeah. we think oh it's because the pandemic hit well he's working all things together right Right. To those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So yes. if he's given you this purpose, that off-ramp you might think came because there was some virus that hit, but God already knew all this stuff was going on. And he goes, okay, so then during this time, yes, this is the road you were on. You're only taking a little bypass right now, but I need you to get on this bypass because I need to teach you something here that you wouldn't learn had you not gone on this bypass, which is going to grow you. Um, to a deeper level to give you something to be able to be more relatable to to other people yeah because like i said earlier it's how do i add value to others yes and god sometimes allows me to go through things because now when i go to speak to someone or coach someone or love on someone mm -hmm. i've been through something that i i have now gone through that i hadn't back here and now i can go we talked about the lid well right. now by getting off there god moved that little higher now i can go a little bit further <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really, really good. I, everything that I'm here, everything that I'm hearing us say really boils back down to 
our purpose, right? I mean, like you said, that God is working things out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And our unique, we have our unique wiring. We have our unique love from God. And as long as I think we stay tapped into that, we'll see his hand continually massaging our purpose, but never completely rewiring us. Yeah. Yeah. And when we understand that, oh, um, I'm on the potter's wheel right now and I'm being molded and shaped, but I'm still red clay or I'm still gray clay or I'm still whatever, then we can, I think we can rest in comfort knowing that, you know, crud, I'm not going to have to gain a whole new skill set. And, and I, and I struggle with it. I'll be honest with you and, and I'll be yeah. real vulnerable right now. This bookings have come back and which has been great. Yeah. Not as heavy as now. There were some seasons where they seemed like they were coming back really heavy, but then all of a sudden there was a little bit of a lull and the temptation that the enemy begins to put inside of me as well. Maybe they're not because, you know, a lot of churches have been struggling, Brent, you know, since yeah. COVID, yeah. their attendance and giving. Maybe this is the time for you to lay that down. Mm. And I, I have a friend who who uh, who drives uh, motorhomes and stuff across the country. And mm. I know he makes pretty good money doing it. Mm-hmm. And the enemy goes, maybe you should just start doing that now and transition into doing that. Because think about it for a second, Brent. You wouldn't have to be putting together new material. You wouldn't yeah. have to be writing new curriculum. You wouldn't have to be you know, all these things. And it was like he tries to make it all sound really, really good. Yeah. But, the, but the truth is, he's he, when, when you're doing a good thing, God's probably not going to take you much off that course. The enemy does. Yeah. So I think that's important. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good point because here again it goes back to purpose. God's wired you for purpose. I, I think sometimes in our transitions, changing lanes, I think it's real easy. I mean, one of the things you do, you know, when you're going down 69 and you're you try to change lanes, I don't know about you, not only do I check my mirrors, but I physically turn my head to look to the side that I'm going to, and even if I can even glance backwards a little bit. Um and now suddenly I'm seeing things that I had never seen before. Yeah. Right. I'm seeing the farmhouse over there that wasn't in my mirror. And I'm seeing the cows over there, the corn. And, and I think sometimes as we start to transition, it's real tempting to go, oh, look at that over there. Because I didn't see that initially just checking my mirrors. I just thought about something. We, yeah. When we're thinking about using our GPS, right? right. We all do it. Yeah. I think like God's positioning system, where is it that he wants me to be? He's going to take me there. It's not always going to be the path that I want. Like, if, you know, when you program in on your GPS, yeah. um, it tells you, you know, here's the way to go. And then if you, as you get further, it'll say, um, you know, this path will be two minutes longer. This one will be 10 minutes longer or whatever. And you look at all these different things. And some of those things we would never, we would never choose because we, well, it's not the fastest way to get there. Right. But God goes, but the view. <laughs> so much better if you allow me to take you on my positioning to where I want you to be because you're going to learn like you said look I never saw that barn before I never yeah. saw those Belgian horses before yeah right right yeah and I think I, I completely I completely agree I, I think sometimes we get tempted to go well I'm in transition so I'm going to go over here and try this and it's just not us you know it's just not how we're wired it's not who we are 
Um, and I think we have to be careful of that because one of the things that leads us to a transition is discontent, right? We're discontented with where we are. We might be a little frustrated. And I honestly believe that in God's sovereignty, he uses that to his advantage. And then he says, okay, you're discontent. Now I'm going to move you over here a little bit. I'm going to use that. Have you ever experienced that in oh. your transitions? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the whole thing was, well, I'm not happy. Well, wait a second. Why are you not happy right now? What are you thinking that's causing you to not be happy? Boom. Yeah. My belief system shapes how I think. We've talked about this before. Yeah. If I'm not happy, um, it's something that I'm thinking. And so, well, that person's a real pain. Well, do you know their story? Have you ever gotten into their world? You think maybe this, this is an opportunity for you to be able to love on them and, and because they've mm -hmm. had such a rough story? Yeah. If you can get your focus off of you and put mm -hmm. it on someone else and loving someone and serving someone, guess what? You start finding contentment. But yeah. if you're worried about make me happy here, well, yeah. any job you do, you're going to have things where you're not going to be happy, that you're not going to feel content. Yes. But when I can get my mind off of my own idols that have to make me feel good, Brent, and no, wait a second, I have a job. What? Really? I, it's no longer I have to go to work. I get to go to work. Yeah. yeah. I get to go to the doctor. I, yes. I, you keep going. It's Right. Yeah, exactly. I one of the things that I shared in a sermon uh, two weeks ago uh, when I talked, I was talking about our minds and the way we think. Uh, I shared a study from psychology about the the attitude and the mood that you wake up with is almost always reflective of the mood and the attitude you were thinking about when you went to bed. So, if I go to bed and I think I get to get up tomorrow and go to work and meet you know, my favorite person on the job, I have the opportunity tomorrow to go in and earn a paycheck so that I can buy my wife a gift and make her happy. However, momentary that gift might make her right. If you go to bed thinking that way, you actually will wake up in a better mood. Yeah. And so I had, uh, I had somebody from my church actually text me this week and said, I've done that for two nights in a row and it works. <laughs> and it's really the mindset that we yeah. choose to have. If yeah. I believe that I'm going to get up and have a good morning, I will. But how many of us go to bed on a Sunday night and think, I have to get up in the morning? It's Monday, blah. Yeah. Um, and that mental mindset is so important, but it really speaks to something deeper that I want to get into that I know is your sweet spot, your passion point. That mindset really stems from an identity, right? Yep. So I know in your first book, uh, Into the Wild, you talked a lot about identity. And then you talked about in your second book. Uh, identity. <laughs> identity. I mean, that, that's, your, that's your sweet spot. And I think it's important. The reason I have you on the show is because as we go through transition, we have to know who we are. Or we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll suddenly make a U-turn on the interstate and go, I want to go that way. Yep. That looks better. Um, so I think what I want to do is we're going to tackle the identity piece. And I'm going to give you a chance to um, shamelessly self-promote yourself uh, <laughs> um, in, uh, in, next, in next week's episode. So 
Do you have anything else though that for today, as we think about going through transitions, anything that you uh, want to share with our audience? Trust. You know, I think in transitions, and, and you heard me say this before, we have to begin to get to the place, and this only really does happen through learning how to renew our mind, is that I have to begin to, to trust that God is who he says he is and that I am who he says I am. Yeah. That may seem like, what? No, we'll say that again. I yeah. have to get to the place where I can trust that God is who he says he is, because if I can get to that place, I know he has a plan for my life. And then I have to trust that I am who he says I am. I am his beloved. Well, what parent wouldn't want the best for their child? What parent would lead them down the wrong path during a transition? Yes, that's yeah. good. That's good. All right. Well, for this week, if people want to get a hold of you um, or get your books, where, where can they get a hold of you or learn more about you and get your books? Yeah, you can. I mean, as far as you can get a hold of me, you can go to men ministry, not men's, but menministry.org. Um, you can reach out to me all th so through email, and that is hunting truth, and then just the number two. Don't spell it out; just the number two. So it's hunting truth two at gmail.com. Um, and the other one again was menministry.org. And you can find the the best way, honestly, the fastest and cheapest is Amazon. <laughs> okay, it really is. All right, sweet, cool. Well, awesome, Brent. Thanks for being with us today. Um, we'll tap more into this in next week's episode, man. Thanks. Love it. Thank you. That was a great interview with Brent Henderson. I'm looking forward to next week uh, when he dives into the second portion of this, but I want to take some time now and just kind of recap some of the things that stood out to me. Um, and that is a passion versus a hobby. And I think that's so important when you're making a transition, right? Is this something that you're passionate about or is this just a hobby? I think sometimes we, I know for myself even, get caught in this thing. Well, I enjoy my hobby. Maybe it's my passion. That's not always necessarily the case. And being able to distinguish between passion and hobby. In other words, passion and I wake up and I think about it and it's all I can think about. Um, you know, that's, that's your passion. The other thing that he said there is that, you know, our beliefs shape our thoughts. I think sometimes we, sometimes we think we think that our thoughts are the bedrock of stuff. It's really not. It's really your beliefs that shape how you think. And we'll get more into that next week uh, in our interview for next week. Those are a couple of things that just really stood out to me. It was a great interview. I hope that you come back and listen to next week's uh, interview as it's going to be even better. I want to encourage you, whatever platform you're listening on, would you give us a like, uh, leave a positive comment, give us a five-star review. That goes a long way in getting the word out about this show. So anyway, listen, I just want to say thank you for listening. Next week, we'll finish up this. Until next week, own it. Out. Mm -hmm.